Some of you are a bit surprised, I guess, to see me dressed like this this morning. But I, I have been a, an army officer for a long time, and I still am. So um, this is a pretty special day for all of us today. Um, and I'm actually giving the, uh, the address at the civic ceremony at 11 o'clock. So um, I've been working on that for quite some time, and it's, it's quite tricky just trying to get it right, trying to get the, um, the mood right and the feelings right. Um, and so I thought we would do this today in lieu of the sermon, that I'm going to give you the, the address that I'm going to be giving to the several thousand people in an hour or two. So uh, this is what you're going to hear. Tenakoto Katawa. Good morning to all of you on this very historic day. A day when 100 years ago the guns in the Great War with Germany finally fell silent. Today is a day for mixed emotions just as it was 100 years ago. When the armistice was announced there was a tremendous outpouring of relief, celebration and patriotism right across the country and in many parts of the world. But underlying that there was a deep and crushing grief for the lost sons and husbands fathers, brothers, daughters, wives, friends and relatives, the 18,000 killed and 41,000 New Zealanders wounded in the First World War. When New Zealand had entered the war on the 5th of August 1914, there was a patriotic enthusiasm and many actually welcomed the prospect of a war for the King and Empire. We might find that naive today, but it was firmly held at the time. And over the next few days, there was a clamour to enlist for the great adventure. Very few foresaw what this war would really be like. And ten weeks later, eight and a half thousand men who had received only rudimentary training departed our shores along with 4,000 horses. This main body, as that group was known, didn't know where they were going, possibly England, possibly France. But after months in Egypt, they were really keen to see action before the war was over. And in April 1915, they received orders to sail for the most obscure place, Gallipoli. And we know that story, the chaos, the bravery, the sacrifice, the sheer resilience of the men. And what an appalling shock it was for the country when news about that disaster and the deaths at Gallipoli started coming in. And by the time the Allies evacuated the week before Christmas 1915, 2,800 New Zealanders had lost their lives. Back in Egypt, the Kiwis recovered and reorganised. Many returned home carrying terrible physical and mental scars. There were already many reinforcements waiting and training in Egypt, and two new units were established, the New Zealand Division and the New Zealand Mounted Rifles Brigade. In March 1916, the division sailed for France and made its way to the Western Front, where Germany and the Allies had been locked in an 18-month deadly stalemate. And the Mounted Rifles Brigade embarked on the Palestine Campaign. Our division was one of the strongest on the Western Front and it gained a reputation for courage, resilience and initiative. It was involved in many battles and some, such as the Somme, Messines and Passchendaele, 
had become seared into our nation's memory. These were battles on an industrial scale, and the suffering, the massive casualties, and the apparent ceaselessness of it all still astound us today. Back home in New Zealand, people kept the country running as well as they could. On the farms, shops, factories, schools, an attempt at normal life. They wrote to their loved ones who were so very, very far away. They read and reread letters and postcards. They hoped and prayed, knitted socks and scarves, raised funds, baked biscuits, grew food, sent care parcels, consoled the grieving and scanned the newspaper rolls of honour for the dreaded news. Killed in action, missing, believed killed, died of wounds. Or they feared a knock on the door by a delivery boy with a telegram. And when the worst news did come, there wasn't a body to grieve over. There was no one to hold that last time, no one to bury and no grave to visit, and no understanding about how they died. And that's why the public memorials that were erected in each town, like our domain gates, were so important. They are the graves and the headstones for those families. By 1918, all sides were exhausted. Germany made a final push to break through the Allied lines and was pushed back. It lost the submarine war in the North Atlantic and its land defences began to give way. In the last months, the New Zealand Division distinguished itself and it liberated dozens of French towns and villages, including the famous Dekinois, a week before the armistice. And there were actually three armistices before the one with Germany. Bulgaria, the Ottoman Empire and the Austro-Hungarian Empire all gave up separately. And each time the crowds took to the streets in New Zealand, they marched and sang and they put up flags and bunting. And by early November it was becoming clear that Germany would surrender soon too. And a false newspaper report sent people streaming onto the streets on the 8th of November. And finally the armistice was signed, those famous words, the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. Paris time. And because of the time, because of the time difference, it was nearly midnight when the news reached New Zealand. And so it was the following day that the country woke up to the wonderful news. And what a day of amazing celebration. People and communities all over the nation streamed onto the streets and one dis reporter described the sound as a roaring chorus. Horns, whistles, cannon fire, sirens, empty kerosene tins, anything that made a noise. There were speeches and parades and marching bands, Union Jacks, patriotic songs, torchlight parades, bonfires, and the burning of effigies of the Kaiser. Such wild scenes of euphoria, such jubilation, such relief. It was over. And by the way, we had won. It was seen by many as a triumph of our values. But some couldn't celebrate. As one man put it, there were many who simply could not rejoice and who were beneath a dark cloud of sorrow, mourning for their departed loved ones. On the Western Front, the news of the, the armistice was received with an overwhelming sense of relief. 
Herbert heartbroke, so it's over. Thank God for that. There was no jubilation and no excitement. Each one asked himself and the others, now, how soon can I get home? And in New Zealand there was a realisation that the men weren't home yet. The world was still a very unstable place and lots of things could go wrong. And one of those was the global flu pandemic that was sweeping the world and that eventually took 50 million lives. It killed 9,000 New Zealanders between the months of October and December 1918, just when we should have been celebrating the end of the war. In fact, it was so bad that Auckland banned Arms to Stay celebrations altogether on the 12th of November because the disease was spreading so quickly. Tauranga was just a small place at the time, with a population of 1,700 people in the town and 4,000 in the county. 109 of our soldiers died, and we are commemorating each one of them here today. When news of the armistice broke in Tauranga, the fire station bell rang out and people quickly congregated near the town hall and a procession formed and marched through the town at 11 o'clock in the morning. A combined Thanksgiving service was held in the domain that evening and a large bonfire on Mao, Mount Monganui was lit. But a gala that was organised for the children the following day saw many unable to attend for fear of the flu pandemic. World War I has cast a long shadow over our country. Many women were widowed or lost their sweethearts, and many of the men who returned home with terrible physical and mental injuries could not resume normal work or normal family life. There was widespread depression, alcoholism, lingering illness, and early death. The loss of so many men aged in their 20s and 30s affected our society, the workforce and the economy for decades. But the country started to reassess its place in the world. Never again will Great Britain declare war on our behalf, and never again will we send men and women away to war without a government having, our government having a veto over where and how they will be deployed. And New Zealand began to make the first tentative steps, such as supporting the establishment of the League of Nations, that would eventually lead it to becoming a sovereign nation with its own distinctive point of view. So let us honour our forebears, our tupuna today. Those who fought in the Great War, those who died, those who suffered damaged lives, and those whose grief stayed with them throughout their lives. The war affected every family, and the people who took to the streets to celebrate the armistice had seen what war could do, and now they hoped for lasting peace, the war to end all wars, which sadly it was not to be. One hundred years later, on this memorable day, in this jewel of a city, in our peaceful and prosperous land, let us try to understand their lives and be grateful for ours. And let us continue by our actions and by our words to work for peace and harmony for all people, peace in our homes and communities, peace in our nation, and peace in the world. Peace we forget. <clears throat>